From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back to Terra Informa. I'm Amanda Rooney, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. This week, we're bringing you two interviews about the ongoing consultations about Canada's food policy. But first, here are some environmental news headlines. This week, students in Alberta found that they had to get up early again and headed back to school. Some students met new teachers or classmates. Many students in Parkland County, which is west of Edmonton, met a different kind of surprise. They got to school on a Western Canada's first electric school bus. Though some question the cost of electric buses or how they might work in winter, one driver said that the operating costs of an electric bus are often 10 times cheaper than a diesel bus. The driver said that he expects the buses to be toasty warm and have no issues in the winter. He pointed out that similar buses have worked in Quebec in the winter. The City of Edmonton is also thinking about purchasing electric buses for the Edmonton Transit Service. After vocal opposition to the federal policy to roll in a minimum carbon price across Canada, Manitoba is considering setting a $25 per tonne carbon price. The Canadian press obtained a draft document with this proposal, which would exempt farmers. Premier Brian Pallister has previously spoken against a carbon price, saying that it would overburden Manitobans and that he would, like Premier Brad Wall in Saskatchewan, seek advice on whether the federal government can legally set a minimum national carbon price. However, Environment Minister Catherine McKenna has said that a national carbon price falls within her office's jurisdiction because carbon emissions are related to environmental protection. government explains a food policy as, quote, a policy for Canada that will set long-term vision for the health, environmental, social, and economic goals related to food, while identifying actions we can take in the short term. A food policy is the way to address issues related to the production, processing, distribution, and consumption of food, end quote. Consultations about Canada's new food policy are being carried out by the federal government all across Canada. However, one was not organized in Alberta. But luckily, our Alberta food organizations have our backs and organized their own consultation event called What's Your Recipe for a Better Food System? Towards a National Food Policy. That will be happening on Wednesday, September 13th. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this on CJSR in Edmonton, it'll be happening from 6 to 9 p.m. at Edmonton's Food Bank on 120th Street and 114th Avenue. I spoke with two representatives from two organizations present at the event on Wednesday, the University of Alberta's Sustainable Food Working Group and the City of Edmonton. First, I spoke with Joanita Nadapragasam, about her work on looking at making food culturally inclusive and got her opinions on what food policy could bring to Canada. Ms. Nada Pergasum is a student-at-large member of the University of Alberta's Sustainable Food Working Group. 
My name is Juani Tan. I'm a researcher and a master's student in the School of Public Health here at the U of A. Um, my research really looks at uh, accessibility to healthcare resources, um, and I'm also interested in sustainability. In my undergrad, I did the certificate in sustainability, and I did research um, around food security. That's always been kind of an issue I've been really passionate about. Um, and now my graduate program, I've been working on campus to create programming to address some of the food insecurities that students face. So. Um, you've been working with this um, University of Alberta Sustainable Food Working Group. So can you kind of elaborate more on what that uh, working group does? Sure, yeah. So that working group came about because in 2016, a new sustainability plan was being um, developed for campus along with the strategic plan for the university. Uh, so this group came about to really address um, ways like economic, social um, ways of sustainability that were also integrated around food. So uh, this working group is comprised of a whole ton of interdisciplinary partners, so faculty members, students, um, there's the Office of Sustainability, Students Union, including SustainSU, RMARC is on there, Dining Services, um, Residence Services, um, and we all meet to kind of once a year to address what are some of the key challenges around food consumption on campus, food distribution, food waste, and then we pick projects based on that and work through that throughout the year. Um, so some of the previous projects that have happened, right now we're looking at food waste and um, in particular what we can do about food waste on campus if we can donate it, or if there's ways to reduce the amount of waste. Um, campus is really good with food waste so far, as you probably have noticed. We now have those color-coded organics bin, garbage bins, uh, and that was a work of progress that kind of came through facilities and operations, which is another partner of the group. Um, but there's always room for improvement, right? Uh, another project that I was part of last year was um, during Sustainability Awareness Week, where uh, we hosted uh, a pilot class for students about the sustainable food system and what it means to go from farm to forks. Uh, we used chickens as a model, and then we tried to get students to think about how they could use all of the products that they're buying. So we used a pumpkin, and students got to make no-bake pumpkin cookies, and then talk about, well, what else they can do with the pumpkin scraps afterwards? Can they compost it? Can they make decorations out of it? Could it be a jack-o'-lantern? Um, and so thinking about using food just not only for cooking, but what you can do outside of that and what you do with your scraps. Um, and we also talked about fair trade and organic food. Is organic healthier for you? Those are kind of some of the issues we've tackled, done a lot of things. We're also looking right now at um, spaces on campus where we could grow gardens. So if there's unused spaces, could we put a garden there? Looking at could students garden in residence, compost? Obviously, those pose their own challenges. And so uh, this working group kind of looks at that. And health education, too, is, yeah. is another one. So food education around that. So what is the state of um, sustainable food education in um, Canada and Alberta? And you kind of touched on this, like, culturally inclusive, uh, I guess, um, factor. And could you elaborate more on that as well? Sure. Um, the state of it, it's definitely a work in progress. It's better than what it's been in the past. I think there's more awareness about... Um, how the food we eat not only impacts our physical bodies, but also how that's tied into the environment. Um, one thing that we've looked at a little bit more is how food is um, a way not only to replicate, um, you know, sustainability within the environment in terms of food waste and, you know, going from farm to forks, but 
also, um, there's a there's an element of cultural sustainability and social sustainability that's in involved in food consumption. So uh, what I mean by this is a lot of cultures, uh, families have dinner together. And so that's a part time for them to come together um, to unwind, to engage in each other's day, to figure out what was going on. Um, that's not something that's very, it's common in Canada, but it's also common to eat alone. Um, so it's not something that's very like set in stone that we all have to eat together. Um, and so particularly for international students, that can be a very um, jarring experience when they come here for the first time and they have to eat by themselves. I actually uh, interviewed one student when I was doing research on this topic who ate out every day because he didn't want to eat alone. It's not just about the act of making food, but also that component of food consumption. and That's kind of where social sustainability comes in. The other thing is when you're able to replicate dishes that remind you of back home, um, it's a way to kind of engage with your culture and still keep that alive. And that's particularly important too for um, students who have families or have children. It's a way to pass on that culture because their children aren't growing up in the same uh, communities. And another student I interviewed uh, one of her concerns about eating Canadian food was that her spice tolerance went down. And so when she went back home, um, she wasn't able to eat spicy food and she didn't feel like she belonged at home anymore. And then it kind of made her not want to engage with Canadian food at all. So part of um, this working group and part of having sustainable food education that's culturally inclusive is helping people to continue their ethnic dietary patterns, but also to integrate what food is found in their current landscapes. Because um, buying local, buying food that's in your landscape, it's, it's more sustainable for that environment, um, but also you're supporting local economies, right? Eating healthy isn't just about you know, calories and nutritional value, but there, there is emotions attached to food and the type of food that we eat. And I know on campus, um, there's the cooking group Health Nuts, um, and they've tried to do that too. They pick different ethnicities every couple months, and then they try to replicate dishes from that using Alberta ingredients. I guess like educating people about culturally inclusive food, how do you go about that? Yeah, it's, um, for me, I think I've always seen my role as more facilitating that opportunity. The best knowledge keepers are the the students themselves, right? Um, so giving them the opportunity to share their culture and their food experiences. Um, if you're giving students the opportunity, and that's kind of what's happening with uh, one of the projects I'm working on with the Sustainable Food Working Group, we're trying to um, create a cooking class outline um, that could be piloted to students so that students could take that um, and then they could incorporate whatever recipe they want to share, um, substitute in some Alberta um, ingredients, and then they would be able to teach that class to their peers. Um, that was something that kind of came out of the research I did that students really wanted uh, cooking classes that they could teach and that they, they gave them the opportunity to share their culture. The other uh, way about going about it is really just to talk to students and figure out what some of those barriers are in the first place. Um, I grew up here myself too, but my parents are um, from Sri Lanka and I, so I know growing up um, they always tried to cook Sri Lankan food and. I think that was kind of the way to keep the culture alive, um, particularly in my family. It, it brings a sense of comfort. And then when you go back home, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is the same food and I can engage. And it's something you have in common with all your family. But it's, it's hard to do that here in Canada because there's not always the same fruits and vegetables, spices. Um, even accessibility to grocery stores is, is something that I didn't really think about until I started talking to students uh, about it. And, so some of the barriers that came up when I talked to students was grocery stores, locating them, 
navigating them. And so when you find out about these barriers, well, then we can work with them to create solutions or programming. I want to know kind of how does uh, like Canada's food policy that's coming out, um, how does that fit in with the work that you're doing? I think it fits in because the, the demographic of Canada is changing and what is healthy for me and what is healthy for you may not be healthy for someone else. Um, and that's not just in a cultural context, but you know now there's people who are celiac or um, lactose intolerant, and um, and there's different dietary patterns. Um, some students are vegan because of biological reasons, vegan by choice, um, and so they have to find a different way to get their proteins in. And what they may need is also based on their own biological needs and their own backgrounds. So while the Canada Food Guide is a good guide, it's not. Um, inclusive of all people's dietary backgrounds or it doesn't take into account your cultural upbringing and what you consider is healthy. So the Canada Food Policy, I think it's impacted by this work because our work, the policy needs to be more culturally inclusive. It needs to take into account Indigenous diets, um, ethnic diets. Um, it needs to take into account what are some of the barriers as well to accessing healthy foods. Um, What's a barrier for someone who's a domestic student isn't the same for an international student, right? And so I think um, doing this kind of work and being able to inform this policy is going to make a policy that's not only more inclusive, but um, takes into account some of the inequities that exist. I think it's great the Canadian government is doing consultations with all the provinces and trying to figure out what... um, what is important to Canadians about the food policy. I think in terms of what I want to see, anytime you roll out policy, there's always going to be intended and unintended consequences. And so um, it's nice to have a policy that kind of takes that into account. So, for example, one of the other committees I sit on is um, through the University of Alberta Alumni Association, and it's called the Citizen Engagement Committee. Um, And that committee runs a grocery run program for immigrants and refugees in the city. Um, So we... We provide uh, food to immigrants and refugees that are in poverty and not able to eat and so that their families have something to eat. But it's a very band-aid solution because while we're giving these handouts and they're able to eat for today, it doesn't get them out of poverty. Um, So we're trying to build social enterprises or cooperatives with the immigrants and refugees so that they, if they wanted to, for example, um, they want to open a butcher shop or they had an ethnic food that they wanted to cook and sell at a farmer's market, they would be able to do that and through that process of food get themselves out of poverty, right? Um, And so having a policy that says, you know, we're going to have more food banks, for example, it's a great policy to help uh, individuals in poverty, but it doesn't get them out of poverty. Similarly, um, I was at a talk last year where um, the speaker kind of said that having food banks were, um, it meant that Canadians had failed each other because no one should ever go hungry in Canada. But if you take it out completely, then how do you help those people who have unexpected circumstances, right? Um, so I think the challenge with this policy is going to be to address everyone's concerns and um, to be able to figure out what are those short-term action items to get to the long-term goal of you know, economic and um, environmental and all of those types of sustainability within food and to create a sustainable food systems for the Canadian population. Um, I just hope that to see something that has realistic goals, I think, and realistic action items that we can all kind of take part in and then through those efforts and throughout the years, hopefully we'll move to something that's more sustainable and attainable too.
Um, so then I was wondering if you could um, just tell us a little bit of what you know about this event that's happening on um, September 13th. Um, so basically, as mentioned, the government of Canada, they're trying to conduct consultations um, to get input from Canadians about a food policy. Um, and this policy is hopefully to address the entire food system from production all the way to consumption. Um, and it, the long-term vision, obviously, is for health, environmental, social, and economic goals related to food. But they really want to identify some short-term action items that can help um, get Canada to that long-term goal. Um, so what's happening on the 13th, basically, is there's um, some Alberta organizations, including the Sustainable Food Working Group, um, there's the Edmonton Food Council, Alberta Agriculture Foresty, the City of Edmonton, Alberta Food Matters, and Alberta Flavor Learning Lab. And they're hosting this event to um, get a sense of what Albertans think are some of the priorities around food and, and what they would like to see in a food policy. Because obviously every province is going to have different needs. We have different demographic, different age groups, um, different barriers to accessing food. And so um, that's what really what this consultation is going to be about. And even students can come out too, um, or volunteer, I've been told. If you really like to do note-taking, you have a laptop, it's the 13th, and it's from 6 to 9 p.m. This event, what's your recipe for a better food system towards a national food policy? It's, it's a chance to bring together the community to figure out what their priorities are around food and what their thoughts are about food and um, what changes they'd like to be made so that everyone can have a nutritious, um, and healthy meal, no matter what the current uh, economic or social economic status is. Mm -hmm. I think food is something that we all care about. We all need it to live, but it's also something that it's an expression of our culture, our identity, um, and so food matters to all of us. And so I think in the regards that we all consume food, um, we should all have an input and say on this policy. Um, you could also um, go to the website um, and actually put your input in via online. So the government was asking for input online, and I think that's still opened. So if you're not able to make it out to the 13th, you could still do that as an option too. That was Joanita Nadapragasam sharing her thoughts on the upcoming Canadian food policy. Next, I spoke with Terra Informa alum, Catherine Lennon, who now works for the City of Edmonton as a principal planner in policy development, working on the city's food strategy alongside the Edmonton Food Council. We spoke about what a national food policy might entail and what the role of the federal government is in our food systems. So my name is Catherine Lennon and I work at the City of Edmonton. I work as a planner and the portfolio that I work on is the implementation of FRESH, Edmonton's Food and Urban Agriculture Strategy. Cool. And so I part of that also involves working with a group called the Edmonton Food Council. And there are um, a committee of administration. So they are citizens, they're a volunteer committee, and they help advise the city on how to implement our food strategy. Cool. I'm just curious, what sort of stuff... Um, uh, is in that food strategy or in the fresh strategy? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Probably in a nutshell, you could say it's about supporting um, local, regional food systems to be uh, vibrant. Whether it's from an economic perspective, um, you know, a community building perspective, uh, making food accessible and available um, 
or whether it's from like an environmental perspective. So kind of just trying to like encompass everything. Uh, for example, like strategic direction three is to expand urban agriculture. So some of the actions we've seen come forward um, out of that one. Um, we've seen um, uh, backyard beekeeping is now possible in the city. Um, the chickens, <laughs> yeah. So urban hen keeping, as in like keeping hens in your backyard in residential areas for their eggs. Um, that is now possible. We've got 50 sites in the city where people are doing that. And then uh, we changed our zoning bylaw to allow urban agriculture as an activity that you can do even if you're in a residential area. Um, so those are some of the first kind of big changes we've made from a, a regulatory perspective. There's a lot of other work that just has to do with, I think, like being part of um, supporting or just being in conversation with the initiatives happening in the community. Like a lot of this work is really happening from, you know, partner organizations or citizens. It's not that the city is the be all and end all, um, but we're just a player on the scene now, which wasn't the case before 2012. So. Does Canada currently have a food policy? No, we don't. I guess like what do you think a food policy could do uh, for Canada? Yeah, so maybe just a bit of background on where this conversation came from. So the current federal government is doing consultation right now towards creating a a food policy for Canada, they're calling it. As far as I know, that has come out of actually a lot of background work that's been done by um, groups like Food Secure Canada, who've been advocating for a national food policy for some time. And so um, a lot of like, they know, the, the push, well, I think the real impetus for this came from this grassroots call for a a food policy. Um, We've also learned um, in talking to MPs over the last few weeks, we learned from talking to MP Linda Duncan that the NDP has actually done several iterations of national food policies, national food strategies in the past, one under Jack Layden, one under Thomas Mulcair. So it's not a new conversation. And we're we're coming into this as, um, well, largely like as, I guess, wanting to bring forward local and regional voices. Because we see, like, we have we have a local food strategy here in Edmonton. We have a food council. And how do we bring those ideas into a national policy, right? Um, but then in answer to your question, like, why do we need it or what could be in it? Um, I think it's, that is quite broad. Um, personally, based on where I, where my work is located, I think what I would like to see is, Um, within a national food policy, I'd like to see an acknowledgement of the importance of local and regional food systems and um, that that this work has to really be connected to what's happening at the grassroots and the community level for it to be effective. So part of, I guess, part of my role at the city is to support the Food Council. And um, part of it is also just to look for those linkages like across, I mean, I think we don't work enough across governments. Um, And I think it's really important because, again, like we know in general, you know, most of the policy around food, whether it's from a health or an agricultural perspective um, or even like programs that would support that, whether it's around you know, education or housing or, um, you know, like a living wage, like all these things. Most of those policies happen at the federal or provincial levels, but in our own like cities, communities, that's where you know most of the work happens on the ground. So um, I think that's why like my role typically doesn't involve 
um, connecting with the federal government, but I, I think it's important that we're talking to mm-hmm. each other. I think one idea that could be pushed forward in a national food policy um, is is to frame food and access to food as a human right. Um, we're really missing that here in Canada. I think we think of food as a commodity, a market good, a retail item, um, but yet food is a basic need. Do you mm-hmm. know if there's any other mun- municipalities in Canada that have a, a food strategy sort of similar to the one that mm-hmm. we have? Yeah, there's a bunch. Um, so I learned recently that Whitehorse is right now they're developing a food and urban agriculture strategy. Vancouver has one. Um, Toronto was one of the first cities to have one. So where can people find more information about um, like the city of Edmonton fresh strategy in the uh, Edmonton Food Council? The Food Council has a website. It's just edmontonfoodcouncil.org. If you go to edmonton.ca backslash food and egg. Um, that's our homepage for all of our work related to fresh. We're also encouraging people to email your MPs. Okay. So because one thing that we learned, so as part of like um, trying to figure out how to provide input, um, we went and met with all the Edmonton area MPs who we could get a hold of. So it's about six of them. Um, and we found out that most of them don't really hear anything about food from their constituents. Like maybe I'm kind of curious, like what you, what you'd like to see in like a good food policy. I'd like to see an acknowledgement and perhaps like maybe like resourcing for some of the activities that are happening at a, you know, local level. I think I'd like to see I'd like to see some, I guess, acknowledgement and and ideas in a national food policy about how we can, kind of work from the ground up. And I think yeah, just maybe to reiterate, like I think that framing of of a right of food as a human right. Mm-hmm. I think it would shift how we think about like you know we have a healthcare system, we have housing as a, as a you know something we understand as a public good, but I don't think we really understand food as a public good. Um I think uh in Alberta especially, we're very export oriented. Um but why can't we do both? Like why can't we both support our like like you know regional local food systems? And also export. And I think like one, I guess one, maybe one more thing that I think we need to see is that like, you know, it's like some 80% of Canadians live in urban centers. And yet we have like agriculture is like one of our main industries here. And, you know, I think we really need to find ways to support um, young people getting into farming, like whether it's urban farming or rural farming and I think that is something that would probably require some coordination among all levels of government Um, but just recognizing that like we're probably going to have to shift the way we do agriculture here like it can't just be these huge um, commercial farms like and and how do we create an entry point for young people who might have grown up in a city or people who might have immigrated here from somewhere else like, you know, have been farming for generations, but just um, maybe on a different scale or in a different climate. Um, and I think like it's such a uh, could be such a great industry that we can develop as well. But we we need to do some work, I think, around the food literacy, whether it's knowing how to grow food or knowing how to prepare food or knowing like 
what's healthy. Like, I think that's a really big gap that I see, like, in our younger generations as well. Like, I'm thinking, like, what happens when um, these older generations pass on? That was Catherine Lennon from the city of Edmonton speaking about her hopes for our national food policy. The federal government of Canada announced that they will release a report summarizing the findings of the National Consultation on a Food Policy for Canada by the end of 2017. And that's all the time that we have for this week's show. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. If you have questions or comments, please send us an email to terra at cjsr.com or tweet it at Terra Informa. Visit us at terrainforma.ca and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you this week to our contributors, Jason Wong for headlines, Andrea Galvin for producing the show, and to Charlie Blay for updating our site. I've been your host, Amanda Rooney, and I'll catch you next week on Terra Informa. Informa.